This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host and... Halloween extraordinaire, uh, a current member of that Halloween town, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? I know I, I just introduced you as a Halloween character, and it's well past Halloween. The season's over, people. Let it go. Yeah, I once uh, November 1st hits, it's, I don't want a lot for Christmas. It is nuts. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you think about how that song with Mariah Carey has just become this um, anti-yet-ultimate christmas ringing in you know season it's funny i actually you know when i it is tough to leave halloween behind but i think we need to intermediate i think you and i need to work on thanksgiving songs i think with your voice and my looks uh <laughs> we could do wonders no but i think like they need to make like thanksgiving songs like come on there is no thanksgiving song i'm sure there's a few but really it's like thanksgiving just gets walked over it's like <laughs> oh yeah there's that there's that because it's like halloween has like such a decoration <laughs> And then Christmas and Hanukkah and everything has all these decorations. And I mean, yeah, some people put up stuff for Thanksgiving, but it's it's just not, you know, really that uh, it's celebrated for sure, but it's not really decorated. But, you know, it's funny. You talk about leaving Halloween behind. I I, I have a job that really does make it where I have Halloween every night, uh, which is a, <laughs> which is a big kind fitting of uh, for, for your talents and your tastes for the Halloween. And of course, Megan, your, your wonderful fiance. Oh, yes. Um, That's how we met was Halloween. And it yeah. does mean a lot to me. It's our favorite holiday. Had a great Halloween weekend. I hope you did too, Taylor. I mean, we ended up having 12, three costumes. I had, uh, we had a Halloween party that her grandparents throw and we were, we were Bonnie and Clyde all shot up. Oh, nice. That was just fun <laughs> to do little like bullet holes and things. And then, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for my day job, I dressed as an old man because uh, I'm a PE coach. So it was hilarious to see all the kids react to the senior version of that. And then for the actual Halloween night, we were a, a witch and a vampire. Yes. Uh, and I was scaring trick-or-treaters, which was a... Uh, that that right there is a lot of fun. It's this has become fun. a theme uh, for those of you. Uh, if you are not just following our podcast uh, social, you should follow Chris uh, at cdoer24, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Follow him because there are some great uh, videos. Uh, there's uh, so last year, just to tell the story real quick, um, you and Megan, your first Halloween together, our big Halloween that you dressed yeah. up as, you guys uh, both uh, were Moira and David Rose, uh, and per brilliant costumes. And so uh, that's her, I didn't realize that's her grandparents' house. And yeah. so you're out front of there, and he's he has the forget the robot. He does the best animatronic impression, <laughs> and literally he's just doing this whole thing. And I think what made it even better this year is because. Though you're a vampire, all the kids from your your uh, 
your school. Yeah, a lot of my kids, they're right down the street at one of the schools I teach at. And they they didn't recognize me at first because I was, you know, had face paint on. I had these fangs. And then all of a sudden the the realization hits. Oh, that's Coach Chris. What the, you know? And the next day it was hilarious to see all the kids. And they were like, I saw you last night. You were a vampire. So, I mean, Halloween, it was a blast. Yeah. Did you have a, a good Halloween weekend, my friend? We, you know, it's funny because this is the first Halloween I didn't really do anything because we actually yeah. went away. Lindsay and I went For to a wedding. A wedding. Yes, I actually get to yeah. DJ and MC at my wedding. Shout out to Brittany Patrick Detloff. Uh, by the time we're recording this, they're, they're on the honeymoon. Um, but uh, yeah, it was actually really fun because I got to kind of be the MC host with the most. So um, it was fun to go back to doing that. And then um, Halloween, I, I traveled actually. was in uh, I was in Milwaukee at the time. Uh, so I really didn't do anything. It was actually pretty quiet uh, Halloween for me, but it was a little, little, a uh, little creepy to be there after we talked after we reviewed Dahmer and everything and just all yeah. that was going on. But um, yeah, this was a little bit more of a quiet Halloween, but I got to live vicariously through it. And as you saw from our post, our fans, I had the pleasure, you know, a couple of weeks back a uh, month now, when we, we uh, launched this almost that I got to go see you in your glory of Beetle House. And that is that truly is you talking about Halloween every day. It truly is something so unique. And there's only two venues, one in LA and one in New York. But this Beetle House, this Tim Burton inspired, themed, like kind of cabaret, if you will. It's like a dinner theater almost. Yeah, it's a bar and restaurant and it's all decorated with, you know, Halloween decorations, but it is heavily inspired by Tim Burton. It's mostly Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas is a lot of the but there's there's elements of a lot of his movies there. And we provide entertainment, uh, mostly playing these characters from the movies. Um, but there's other inspirations as well. Like we have some of our slashers. We've had Adam's Family. We've had uh, the Ghostbusters. I got to be a Ghostbuster there as well. But it is something where I'm, I'm kind of sometimes, you know, it is a job. And I'm I'm happy to have that and get that performing outlet. But it did make me think, like, th- there is, you know, the, the filmography and the world that Tim Burton has created of his characters in these films. It is a giant cult following. There is an element of the the scare, the yeah, Halloween, the macabre. the macabre. But there's also this fun goofiness to him. You know, he doesn't really have a lot of horror in his 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 kind of scary elements. There are some movies for sure that are the horror based. But it got me thinking. You know, we have this new series coming out this month of Wednesday, and actually talking about Adam's family. I feel like Tim Burton has wanted to do an Adams Family project for quite a while. And then this is how it, it ended up coming as we have this Netflix series coming out, focusing on Wednesday, kind of in our high school years. Um, and it looks very, very cool. Um, and Tim Burton is directing it. And, it, and I think it's exciting to see him uh, do a new project. I mean, he hasn't really done anything since uh, Disney's Dumbo. And of course, a lot of that was TV series as well. It's mostly been never, Yeah, films. he's never really done TV that I can think of. Uh, obviously, he's got a lot of big films. He's also a huge producer. He's produced a lot of stuff. But it got me thinking, as I work at this Beetle House, and we are in that time of the new series coming out, we should go back and look at some of the films that Tim Byrne has done, because a lot of them are iconic. And he's kind of had a, a little bit of a dabbling in multiple different things, whether it's his original story and characters he's come up with, or taking on IPs that are already in existence and then putting his kind of fun, creepy spin on them, uh, which is actually being a fair amount. I think he's kind of almost like half, half, half of stuff that he's kind of originally done. And then half or taking these stories the or Burton these properties spin, yeah. and the, the Burtonisms. Yeah. So, you know, Taylor, as, as who you did get to see me play that night at Beetle house. And one of my favorite characters to do is Peewee. And what's funny, a lot of people don't realize that Tim Burton, you know, coming from an animator standpoint and uh, an artist and coming up with these characters, he had done a lot of these shorts kind of building up. You know, Vincent's a very popular short that people have seen. Uh, Frank and Weenie actually was a short that he did that eventually he then was by Walt Disney to give a full movie version later. But his first full length movie he directed was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And it is this thing where you've already taken a character that is established. You know, Paul Rubens had already had this character doing uh, live performing and then, of course, the TV show. But to do a full big movie of this character, and it is a really simple base premise, but <laughs> yeah. it shows what Tim Burton was going to bring to the table. 
was a bit of the goofiness, but also with the macabre. There's ghost stories in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. There's evil clowns. There is dinosaurs coming to life. You know, there's all this stuff that does make it kind of the creepy element that he likes, that kind of macabre, scary. But there's so much goofiness and still silliness that it is like a fun just adventure movie that has all these elements in it. Um, that Pee-wee's Big Adventure is probably the only Pee-wee movie I've seen the most. I think I've seen a few other ones. I should. I think he might have produced some of those, but I love that first movie. It it cracks me up. It's funny because yeah, I, I this came out before I was um was born, I believe. It was, it was yeah yeah eighty five yeah mid eighties, and so this was a film that came out quite often on on TV, and I remember every time it came on, I would just come into it, and I always I always came into it like. I don't know why it never starts from the beginning, but always like came on right when he his bike was stolen. And, and I just, I like certain little things like, I know you are, what am I? And just all these little things. And of course, you know, uh, yeah, it was just something that, and then such a distinct character, which I got to hats off to you and all of our other episodes. There's some, a bit of a Chris doing his peewee uh, impersonation. It's really great. And it's, I know I've talked to like, you know, our mutual friend now, Justin, and talking to their impressionist, it's a very difficult voice to do. So I think you and coming to see you in your element because you, you kept character and I like you came over and like, hey, you know, this is my cousin, yeah. Taylor Herman. And I'm just like <laughs> dying. And then when you laugh, the guy's like, are you his cousin? So <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't really in you know encase yourself in that character that's not the word i'm looking for but i'm using taste um but uh, yeah just and then then i got on video and it's on our uh, page seeing you do the iconic peewee herman tequila dance which is that's like that that alone of that movie was just so like great and i think it's funny because that's another thing about tim burton every one of his films doesn't matter what kind there's a lot of he loves the musical element yes he loves that music fun, yeah, and I think a, it, it is interesting that of that movie, people either remember like, oh, the bike was stolen and it went to the Alamo. That's always like the the big plot point. You got to know the Alamo. And it does the tequila dance. And it is one of those scenes where like, it's such a goofy little dance. It's like, it makes no sense. This this biker gang that's literally about to tear him to shreds. And he's like, can I get a last request? And then he goes in there and he does this dance and they all love him. Um, And I love how that whole sequence, the way it ties off where he gets a motorbike and he's like, Thanks, guys. And then he literally runs right into a billboard <laughs> is like gold. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, looking at music moving forward to really what's one of the most, most iconic movies. And of course, a big basis of the Beetle house that I work at is Beetlejuice. And Beetlejuice, what, what, it's a movie that I've, I've, you know, I don't watch it every year, even on Halloween. It's one that like every few years we'll put on and yeah, it's not even you know, a hol- like have oh, to be a Halloween film. It's like any no, time it, of it's year. It's definitely it's just like any time of year. But what's so funny about Beetlejuice to me is for Michael Keane to do this role, and it really was one that in his early career was putting him more on the map. He's only in the movie for like 14 minutes total yes. screen time. Mm-hmm. Like he's the title character, but he's really not in the movie for huge chunks of time. But, you know, to see that movie really take over this kind of more dark, creepy vibe that he does. But again, with all this humor to it of, oh, let's have this, this, like the movie starts with this married couple that dies and then now they're ghosts. And it's like, oh, this is a PG movie, which by the way, this is also, we're, we're, we're right, right, right before Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I think it's the same year, 88. And even Gremlins, I think around this time, yeah. was that big issue of like, okay, PG before PG-13 became really a thing. Because mm-hmm. like, Keaton definitely has an F-bomb in there and a bunch of language. There's some lewd behavior too. where he's Very raunchy. Like, yeah, oh my God. I just remember like, just like, and that's what's great with the Beatles House too. They have the little Dante's Inferno. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's sort of all the, we're all the, hey, we're going to get some action. And it's like, but yeah, all that stuff in that film there, it's such a, it's such tongue in cheek humor, but it is like some of the stuff that he gets away with says, but it's like, that's what I think is so great about it. And I think he doesn't overstay his welcome in that role. I think that's why the legacy of been wanting to make a sequel that for so long, it's just become like one of those things that, oh, it's going to happen. It's not, but I think he makes that movie, but even though he's not only 15 minutes, at four, like you said, 14 minutes there's so many great characters and I just love, and this is what I think about this film also going forward with Burton is he knows how to cast people. 
and he just has such a great dynamic. I mean, look at some of the great, you know, Catherine O'Hare. I mean, you've got also in her in her prime, um, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Gina um, Davis. Yeah, Gina Davis. Alec Baldwin too. It's so weird Alec to see in that movie. And a very other- young. We're like, I look at him now, and I go, Yeah, I still see a little bit of that, but like, he had a very thin face back then, and with yeah. the glasses and the hair. He's kind of looked the same now for like 30 years. His voice but, has been always the same. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. But Bob, like, I don't think yeah, it's right. just a great cast. And I also love the visual of like, what is the, what is like the underworld look like, if you will? What is the, what is the dead world look like? And that's where I think Tim Burton really gets to start having fun of showing. Well, the like, macabre of all these people who died and like, they're yeah. like still in form. Like the one guy, he's like the receptionist is like, I'm feeling kind of flat. You yeah. know, and like you have the one person who got sawn in half, the lady from the magician. Sawed in half. And yeah. I love uh, the football team that, the, like, you know. The, oh, yes. The, the, um, and then also, we're talking about the music. I love his choice of using Harry Belafonte as like an overall theme with it. I mean, of course, talk about iconic. This is still like one of those things. The Banana Boat song, Ordeo, is still like one of those most iconic songs. Like you hear that, you have to play it. And the whole dance net routine when they're possessed, they love just, it. That's a big crowd pleaser. Oh, yeah. And the start of, like you said, not like good casting, recasting, using the same actors for multiple projects. We move right into, we'll talk about these two back to back here, Batman and Batman Returns. There's a movie in between there we'll get to in a second, but that was a huge thing. We talked about this with, you know, we had our our friend on Brandon talking about the Batman speaking of Beetlehouse <laughs> big franchise who's also yeah. been yeah Beetlejuice uh, actor and Ghostbuster at Beetle Beetlehouse people saw Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice and saw Keaton in the eyes of this comedic actor when he was cast to be Bruce Wayne slash Batman for Tim Burton's Batman people were like are these is Warner Brothers you know are they nuts are you kidding me you want to get nuts let's get nuts I don't think people understood the range that Keen has because he is very well beloved as that character. And we're excited to have him back next year in the flash and possible future of him returning as Batman, but definitely Batman and Batman returns. It's, it's those movies that really, as we talked about before with comic books, it's the first real launch of like what a darker, grittier adaptation could be. Well, I mean, at this point, all we had was, Adam West. That's which which really laughs. Like, okay, we're comparing Adam West to this. I mean, and it to think of how the controversy of at the time they're like, this is our Batman. But of course, what we have that I think having the such a foil of a big name like Nicholson as you know Joker. I think that's kind of like it was a good like. Mix. And he had top billing. It was yes. like Jack Nicholson in Batman. Oh, by the way, with Michael Keaton. <laughs> you know, and it's like um, he's Batman. I think he's. But clearly that movie did so well financially. And I think that really put Tim on the map with the studios to see that, oh, he could do some big budget stuff. And the the first Batman movie definitely has these elements that kind of bring that Tim Burton-ism of a bit of a darker side. Uh, I think of moments like when the Joker shakes that dude's hand with the the buzzer on his hand yeah, and he literally fries, fries and... him to like, uh, you know, uh, and stuff like that uh joker going into the museum and the whole painting scene and it's very goofy and silly um when when batman punches joker and hit, hit, like like the teeth fall out the chattering teeth i think elements like that really kind of let tim play but he was very true to the comics of what batman is like and, and, and you even know gotham just the setting yeah. of the scene i think both movies you really set for this gr- uh gritty gothic looking city that really and that's what i think a lot of people said it's not just the batman character it's setting the atmosphere which i think although we've enjoyed the dark knight trilogy i don't think they created the in the later films the The best gotham yeah the best gotham except in the first one but these these ones it just has an atmosphere and the element and um gotta back to music gotta shout out or it's a soundtrack mostly prince which is so which is yeah, so prince. interesting but it had like i love what they're talking about the museum scene it's like Bonnie Red and, and he's just and he's just dead oh, my, God. oh yeah. my gosh and that's that that is one of my favorite scenes of that movie because my uh i remember when i was a kid watching that i would just always do the do the joker dance and he just like oh yes time of his life batman returns though definitely was much more of a Tim Burton movie than like a Batman movie. It still was Batman, of course. It had elements of the villains and the world, but 
a lot more of that felt like played into a Tim Burton movie, uh, especially with the settings. I mean, the whole uh, the penguin, his lair and all the penguins and like his posse, all like the the kind of clown like posse had was very Tim Burton to me. Um, and because it was like kind of a Christmas movie, I feel like, too, we started to see element of like, oh, now we have uh, turning in the holidays here. It's past Halloween now. Um, and that's one, too, where like. I rewatched it before our Batman episode and I was like, Michael Keaton's not in a lot of that movie for being a Batman movie. It's really the Penguins movie that happens it, to have Batman and Catwoman. You know, yeah, DeVito and Pfeiffer are again, chewing up the scene. Great casting. I mean, still to this day, even though I will say uh, Zoe Kravitz was very good in the Batman. Pfeiffer is the, is the defining Catwoman for me i mean i haven't seen a lot of the old stuff like adam west which i know has a lot of big names that were catwoman in those days but she's the defining we've not had a penguin now until colin farrell who's a very different you know penguin and the makeup was incredible dan devito hamming it up as true penguin with like yeah such good casting and of course we love walking in there yeah max shrek Shrek. wow bruce wayne why addresses batman because he is Um, batman you idiot oh yeah but, you know, around in between these two movies, probably one of his most beloved films and really is a true fun fantasy uh, family film with, again, these elements that are kind of like a little off, but it's such a good, delightful comedy. Edward Scissorhands. His first project with Mr. Gianni Depp, who uh, his most used actor of uh, his filmography. This film, I mean... He wrote it. It's his story. And it is such a beautiful film. And it's, you know, of course, a don't judge a book by its cover type of film, fish out of water type of film. But this 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 poor creation of a man, whether you want to look at him as some robot, as a doll, uh, however you might want to look at him. I mean, it's it that's something that I think, too, is kind of it's left to the imagination. It's a, it's how a you... lot of ambiguity in that film, which yeah. I, I really like it. And that's, I think, why it stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And we get Winona uh, Ryder back as well. Winona Ryder back as like the love the maiden, if you will, the the love interest. And um, oh, I mean, Alan Arkin in there is like so funny. Yeah, the, and the, uh, the parents they're so good. We get, we and, and also playing against type, we get uh, was it uh, Ian Michael Hall uh from who from the Breakfast Club and all that he plays. Yeah, the, it's uh, like the bully. The bully. Yeah, I think this is... was like the first turn of him going from. You forget that, like, he was the nerd for like ten oh, yeah, years of, of the movies. John Hughes era, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, nuts. then he starts to become like more, you know, he looks bigger and everything. But also to have really horror royalty, if you will, Vincent Price in here yes. as the creator, as the you know guy who made Edward. It's a really beautiful film. I think some of the things too is it's very colorful. You know, when you go to Edward's like castle up on the hill, it's very dark. It's very creepy. Very well, let's gothic. Even, let's even jump in right now. We're talking about music and we're going to say this probably again, but we got to give a shout out to talking about actors. He works with a lot. Give a shout out to a composer, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, yeah. Which was going to play into our next movie we're going to talk about. But Danny Elfman, with the Tim Burtonism and Elfman, it just, it really makes his movies pop. And it's like, it's la, almost- La, 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 Yeah. I, I, it's <laughs> a lot of bouncy- it could be bouncy, like Pee Wee, you know, Beetlejuice, it's bouncy. But then there is those times where it's very gothic uh, and then light and hearted and fantasy. And yeah, they've been a match made for a while now. I think I think majority of his films have been. Uh, it's like Spielberg by... and Williams, Elfman and Burton. It's like it's like a household name almost. It, is, it just works. And yeah, it's just such a good movie. Johnny Depp is really great in that role. Um, this meat character that really doesn't know what he's doing and has these giant scissors for hands, which again, that horror of like, he wants to love, he wants to be someone that can love. He doesn't know how to love. And then every time he he tries to, he hurts the people he loves because he has these weapons. Um, it's just a great movie. And yeah, speaking of Danny Elfman, a, a project we have to talk about that it's Tim Burton's story. It's his characters. He did not direct this film. Henry Selleck did. Um, and let that be known on record because a lot of people forget and they don't realize that Tim didn't do this. But what has probably become the most iconic in terms of occult status and like popularity of all of his stuff would be Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, agreed. It And a film that I think it did 
okay when it came out. I don't know if it was as beloved right away, but it has grown to become, I mean, Disney must have at some point seen the value in merchandise and because now you can't go to any Disney park without seeing a ton of that every Halloween season. Now it's Oogie Boogie's bash. I mean, like clearly they know these characters are well-beloved. You can meet Jack and Sally in the parks. And I've had the pleasure of playing Jack Skellington now for over a year and a half. And it's true. Like I, you know, I think of the two properties they see most people dress up as or have shirts of or hats is Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas is number one. I'd say of all the time I've worked at Beetle House. And it is, it's a it's a gorgeous movie. Danny Elfman's score for it is so good. I love the music in that movie. And it's a fun bit of, you know, fact for those who don't know. Danny Elfman provides the singing voice of Jack Skellington. He did not do the, the dialogue voice was part. Chris Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon, who, who's also horror know, horror royalty as well. Yeah, he's done a bunch. Bright um, Night, uh, original yeah. child's play. So yeah, but uh, for those who, if you haven't seen those, Prince Prince Humperdinck in Princess <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bride. Um, but that that first kind of take it like a claymation stop motion kind of film. Really, when you watch it, I just watched it the other night when we we're you know for the for Halloween. Me and Megan were. We're doing some Halloween painting. We got these things from Target and uh, we put it on. Sometimes you just watch it. And if you're not even watching it for entertainment's sake, you're just watching it for the art- artistry. It's visually beautiful and it still holds up. I went to the uh, Academy Motion Pictures Museum over the summer. And there's actually a, a booth there that has all the stuff about claymation movies. And you see they have a case of like 60 jackheads, all with slightly different iterations of the mouth because that's what they had to do the thing is every shot has to be changed just enough and then you know they quickly animate all that into one frame it's 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 insane to think the work that goes into it i think it's got a little easier as time's gone by with some visual effects but that's a movie that probably took a couple years to make but it is gorgeous there's a there's i think there has been some kind of demand for a follow-up or sequel there has been a uh, a woman wrote this like I don't know if it's like fan fiction just she wrote a novel called All Hail the Pumpkin Queen and it has like Sally on the cover with like yes. a, a crown on I saw that yeah so maybe there maybe one day Tim would revisit that Um, and Henry I'm not sure maybe we'll see Uh, question for you have yeah. you ever seen Ed Wood I saw it one time don't remember much about it I have not, and I know this okay. is, is this based on it was a biograph biographical film. Yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, and it's about this director Edward who would make these these movies, and they were very good. But another that was like Johnny Depp's second film with him. But I, I we'll skip that for now because again, I I don't really much about it. But another movie that actually I, I really need to go back and revisit because it's got a huge cast, and it's based on these it's based on this series of cards actually these like trading cards, Mars Attacks. 1996 uh really his only true sci-fi movie if you will uh it's one that yeah i probably have seen it in its entirety maybe once or i like it like for you like peewee when it would be on tv it'd be chunks yeah it's always on tv you would always come in at certain moments so i i I agree with you i think i've only seen its entirety maybe once uh, twice but yeah it's one of those movies that just be, yeah, the cast alone. Hey, again, we bring like Nicholson, but I mean, you got mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan, Glenn Close, Martin Short, uh, Tom, uh, uh, Danny DeVito again. Danny uh, DeVito, oh my Sarah gosh. Jessica Parker, Sarah Michael Jessica J. Parker, Fox. Michael J. Fox. The huge cast. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, the, what's funny is that Beetle House, they do have one of the alien heads like on the yeah. bar. And I, I just always remember. <laughs> um, I remember like that. And I remember like, like they, they, they take the Chihuahua and Sarah Jessica Parker and they yeah, like and they switch, switch their the heads, bodies, right? Yeah. This weird stuff. I mean, it's one that I have to really revisit, but that that to me was it's funny to think of as we've been talking about some of the projects that he does are original characters, but then there's these dabblings into already created IPs and then putting his spin on it. That's something one though I want to go back and rewatch because I, I remember enjoying it and I feel like I would see it in a new light now that I'm older because I feel like I haven't seen clips of that for probably like 10 years. Oh, I, you'll, you'll pre- I think we'll appreciate it more being adults and just some of the humor. I remember going back and watching. I was like, <laughs> so, so funny. 
just some of those moments. And I remember just, it's just great because it, it just makes fun of that B. It, 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 I know it's based off these cards, but it makes fun of that, that B sci-fi horror films of the, you know, the fifties and everything. And, and just so great because you don't know where this movie is going to go, but it's just kind of funny that the humor, it's like, Oh, these aliens want peace. Well, not really. They just, they just want destruction. Oh, they want to destroy and, and kill I think everyone. it was funny because that came out the same year as independence day didn't it yeah i, so, I think so i think because that was 97 or 96 so that close together right around was the like, same time yeah it was smart of tim burton and like let's well, okay i think he made fun of it too like a little bit more for the you know the, the more friendly version of an alien invasion movie but yeah it's definitely one i love uh revisiting um quite often um but going i think there's probably of his, he doesn't have a lot of true horror ones, but this one I think is probably one of his second, one of his best horror films. And I think this is a great story because there's so many different versions of it. They had actually a TV series with, I actually really liked it. Um, but I, I, I do love Sleepy Hollow. I think that is really well done. I just, it really gets you in the feel. And I think also just the, the 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 gore and the the horror is kind of played a little bit more for humor and i think and i love oh yeah i love johnny depp in this one because he's this like he's this kind of nerdy but meat character he's like he's very adventurous and he's like i'm kind of element all my elements but i think he just plays such a great ichabod crane it's just wonderful yeah because being that this is one of those you know it's like the urban legend kind of stories that has been told in many forms. I mean, I've I've always been a fan of the little Disney animated short they did, you know, a while ago. And but to have the story of the headless horseman told via Tim Burton, and this is true, like you have that New England style gothic horror with some great visual backgrounds. And this was a cool one where like visual effects had really started to pick up more. Um, I do believe, if I remember right, watching some of the behind the scenes, Ray Park, Mr. Darth Maul himself, uh, was some of the stuntman work for the Headless Horseman with all the axeography. But yeah, I love the visuals of this. And you have, a little, again, the creepiness of, there's like the witch in the woods. We have this, the, the tree of the dead and how like the horseman erupts from it. And it's like, just like bloody heads and everything. And, and <laughs> for another movie where it's like, we're bringing back an actor we've used in the past. <laughs> this is one of the best ones because it's, it's Christopher Walken without any dialogue. He has no dialogue. He in just yells. Uh-huh. He kind of just goes. Ah. I know. Um, but, but these sharp, pointy teeth is he's the he's the Hessian, right? He's the the what the headless horseman's going to become, and with like the the goofy kind of like spiky up hair he has. Yeah. Um. But also bringing back, uh, and this is a really great cast too. I mean, you got Christopher Lee, who we'll he'll, he'll, he'll use yes, again. Jeffrey Lee. Jones. Michael who, Goff, you have from from Beetlejuice and uh, Ian McDermott and Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> um, yeah, we got a lot of. And we Michael got some great, lo- great love interest, Christina Ricci. Of Christina course, Christina Ricci, oh. love her. And some of the creepy elements too of like, like you said, Johnny Depp plays such a good version of Kabod Crane because he really is in it for science. So he he comes from he's a not an a, action hero. He's not a he's not an action hero, he's and he's like everything must be everything can be proved. Yeah. So he, he he doesn't believe in witchcraft. He doesn't believe that the headless horseman exists. He's like, there has to be someone out there just doing this stuff. And to see him take on this fantasy world that is unexplainable is great. But also you think of those scenes about his mom in like flashbacks, where like clearly his mom was part of some kind of witchcraft and his, whether it's a father figure, stepfather, what is the evil white dude that like, keeps capturing her and he puts her in that that chamber that like kills her and that's clearly is affecting him and even his you could tell he's romantically interested in christina ricci's character but there's also a hesitance because it does remind him of his mom is all that stuff it's a really good movie about like childhood trauma actually if you think about it there's really a good thing about that but it's funny i had a really great thought is thinking about that time period of 1700s and 1600s that New England style, I would love Tim Burton to do a version of The Crucible. Honestly, if you yeah. like just with this kind of style, and I know they've had so many adaptations of it, but I feel like just seeing this and you, this bring me back memories. I remember watching it. He could. Yeah, I saw, I think I remember watching this last Halloween because I was like, I don't really want to get in the mood, but I think he could do a really good Crucible, like um, an updated like take. I don't know, but 
this was really well done. It's one I like going back to quite often. Yeah, I love that movie. Well, last one I want to talk about before we get to a break here is one that I haven't seen in a long time. But I actually, I really enjoyed it, I think, when it came out because this was like right when I was like end of middle school, going to start high school. But Tim Byrne did his own version of Planet of the Apes starring Mark Wahlberg. Uh, And the thing about this is you look at the Planet of the Apes movies that came before and the makeup that they had at the time, they really went more for that like it's a little bit goofy, but like those movies really stand up for some of it. But, you know, we had like four different five sequels of like, like sometimes they're underground. Sometimes they're in, it's just crazy. Some of the Planet of the Apes movies, his version of Planet of the Apes. I think from the makeup standpoint was really, really fascinating. Uh, this has been really about the first time we really see the emergence of Helena Bonham Carter. Um, I think she might've had a small role in Sleepy Hollow, but she, she and him became romantically involved. And so we start to see her pop up in a lot of the films moving forward. But you have Tim Roth in here as kind of like the bad ape. Um, oh, you can Michael, recognize Michael in Duncan there. Clark yeah. in there. Oh, yeah. Is Paul, one of the Paul, huge, yeah, Paul, Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. orangutan. Huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm just a orangutan. You know? <laughs> just and the like... thing is, there was elements that I like. I liked about the movie because it was a little bit more gritty, a little more dark than like some of the originals that came out. And I think it would be really messed up if you got to a place where all these apes had taken over. But all I remember of that movie is Tim Roth is very intense and very scary. He's like the the main lead kind of general chimp. And like gorillas and chimps don't really get along. There's some like, you know, rivalry going on. And obviously, Helena Bottom Carter's character is like taking an interest in humans and everything. And Mark Wahlberg's trying to escape. The end of the film, I always remember is that he, there is this like, time travel moment and they get to what is the Lincoln Memorial and now Tim Roth's character is statuized where Abraham Lincoln would be. I remember that's how the ending of the movie was and it, it, it made me think would they continue to done more movies? I don't know if it just didn't do well fi- financially because um, really Tim Burton he's never, minus Batman Returns he's really never done a sequel to any of his own properties. He might have produced He's never directed, but we didn't get anything else past that. But that's one also I feel like I would go back and maybe have a little bit of a a nostalgic love for, even though it's not uh Mark Wilbur. Got these yeah. There's, There's apes. There's apes going around everywhere. What a banana. Um I mean, because you know, it's like soon after that, well not soon, I guess it was like another ten years later. Once we got the Planet of the Apes trilogy that came out in the two thousand tens, that just so knocked it out of the park that it's like it's kind of forgetful but let's take a break taylor when we come back we got a lot more films to talk about some of his biggest films yet to come hey potential podcast listeners thanks for tuning in once again to the potential podcast before we begin today's episode we'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something that means a lot to us This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. And at any time, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com potential. That's BetterHelp.com potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with better help. And remember, know your potential. 
And we're back here talking about Tim Byrne, his films and his uh, his projects. The next one is actually one I think a lot of people would look at as a heartfelt film. It's a film about family, about where did, where did your parents come from and what did they do? And again, has some magic to it, has some elements of a bit creepy, but has it's it's a good heartfelt movie. Big Fish came out in 2003. And this is one of those where I like I feel like it's a lot of the the tall tales kind of story where you know we have a father figure uh who is sick and his son coming to try to make amends with him and hearing all these stories he's heard his father say for so long and kind of like not believing in them. It's like, you know, this guy, all the stories he tells, it's like he's always you know, it's the big fish. I really do like this film. I think it's a great film. Albert Finney, great actor. Billy Crudup as the son. But you have Ian McGregor as the younger version of Albert Finney, really going on this adventure. And and some of the stuff you would kind of feel like, is this real? Is this like, you know, is he just making up stories? But, you know, he meets a giant at one point. There's like the witch in the town. Kind of like a modern Aesop's Fables kind of. Uh, like the Odyssey a little bit, you know, a little bit of that, like a modern Odyssey, and like you think about like all of the stare, uh, tales of like you know Paul Bunyan and all these things like that. So it is, um, and this is one like I remember seeing on TV, and it's it's like I'm really good at memory. I have to go see this again because it's 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 spotty at best, but I do remember this is like the time you know you get this is like prime Eo McGregor uh, as he's coming into his own, and um, yeah, it was just kind of so different than any. I think what with I think what stands out compare, and this will go into some of his other ones, is just the color and the the brightness, and it's just a different kind of look to what we've seen before of all this other Tim Burton stuff before. Yeah, uh, like I remember, like he goes to that one village where uh, Hello Bottom Carter lives, and everyone like doesn't age, and like he's almost like has to escape, and then at one point I think he's like in Vietnam, and like there's like there's just a lot of crazy stuff in that movie. It's it's just a good film, and I and it's also been turned into a musical. Uh, Big Fish did have a Broadway musical that oh. came out, uh, so it's also been interesting to see that, uh, you know, of the movies he's done so far, that one is uh, a, a big musical. As you talked about music, and sometimes readapting or adapting a work that has already had a big significance too. His next film is one that I think divided people a lot even before it came out. But I think a lot of people either are on board with it or they didn't really get it. I always enjoyed this film. I think it's very fun. I think it it's more proper to the book. And we talked about this when we did an episode on Willy Wonka. That the original movie that came out 50 years ago, good grief. Road Dahl was still alive then, and he did write the screenplay. But this was at a time where special effects were very far and few between. They weren't able to do everything that's in the book, so they had to modify things for the script. Of course, Gene Wilder, very beloved as Willy Wonka. But Warner Brothers announced that Tim Byrne is going to do his own version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp in the title role as Willy Wonka. And... As someone who now has got to play Willy Wonka many nights at Beetle House, after rewatch this film, I must say I really give it more credit than I think a lot of people did at the time. I think there was just a original bias of, oh, I can't watch that because Gene Wilder is just, you know, the best. I still think Gene Wilder is better in the role, but there's a lot that I give Johnny Depp credit for because it is the way that Tim Burton plays the movie is. Willy Wonka was someone that didn't have a childhood. He, and having Christopher Lee, these, again, these flashback scenes of parents where his dad is a kind of crazy dentist that's very, very strict about what he can eat. And he has this huge, ridiculous mouthpiece that he has to wear all the time. Oh, God. And his discovery of candy and like leaving the house and then becoming this gazillionaire that owns this factory. I mean, he would be in a way similar to like how Michael Jackson was, where he was such a working kid that he always kind of lived in this fantasy world. And then to have this whole element of the book represented that these kids who have these problems, you know, one is too, one is too greedy. One is, you know, root. It's like, it's, it's that uh, lesson kind of film where it's like, 
these kids that have these things don't get the prize, but the poor kid who really has good stuff is going to get the prize. It's, it's like a very, you know, I, I think typical... it was, I think what was great about this one in comparison to the original is it's a little bit more um, obvious. The lessons are being there, you know, it's in like even with how giant it plays Willy Wonka kind of gives like a little like wink to the audience where I think this is played more for families where the original was more as a lot more more for adults. Yeah, and Freddie Highmore is great as Charlie in this oh, film. Great. His whole family, the, all the actors. Yeah, Helen Bonham Carter yes. as his mom. But, I mean, yeah, there's some great actors in this. And I, it's very colorful. It's very, very fantasy-based. And like you said, yeah, there's there's always been a side of Willy Wonka. There's this, you know, the fan theory that, like, he's a a child killer or, like, you know, he he brings kids into the factory and then kills them. In the original movie, we never see the other kids come out. In this movie, you do see them all come out, even though they've all been, you know, one's been juiced. Oh, so now they're they're, <laughs> you know, they're like nice and tall. Uh, the fat kid's been uh, doused in chocolate. My TV is is being brought out in little stick. You know, it's like they're all survived. They're just brought out the way they are. But there is some of that, yeah, kind of nod to the camera. Like I love that scene when um. You have Ruka Salt, who is very, she wants everything, right? Daddy, buy me this. Daddy, buy me that. And you see, they get to the nut room with all the squirrels. And it's like, they knock on the nuts. And if it's a good nut, they put it there. If it's a bad nut, it goes down to like the trash, basically, to the the, the burner, probably. And she was, tries to go get a squirrel. And then they knock on her head. And it's like, oh, it's a bad nut. And the whole time, Johnny Depp is trying to open this gate to let the dad in. <laughs> And he has a key ring that's got like 40 keys on it. And he keeps going really slow. And he's like, no, not that key. Oh, sorry, I'll try that again. And when it's finally the key, which he knows which key it is the entire time. Yeah. He does this look to the camera where he opens it really slow. And you're like, he knew which key it was the entire time. It's his yeah. factory. And I love elements of that. That there is this kind of like, he knows what he's doing even though it's played for like, oh, uh, well, the, the Oopaloopas will take care of it. You'll be fine. Yeah. They'll be Jews. They'll be saved. And I love that kind of element to that, to that character. Um, and, I, and it did pretty well financially too, I think. So, yeah. And obviously it was not gonna be the end of his run with Johnny Depp because gosh, the next, the next four in a row, I'll have Johnny Depp as well. Boom, boom, we have boom, a yes. corpse bride. Uh, a return to the animation style Light Nightmare Before Christmas. This one did not have Henry Selick in it. Um, Turnburn co-directed this. Uh, but again, original story, his characters. Um, just rewatched this for the second time this year for this Halloween season. Only saw it the once in theaters. Just saw it for the second time. It's a fun movie. It's not Nightmare Before Christmas. And I know it's hard to like, you shouldn't compare them because it's two different stories. It's a fun movie. It's just not as entertaining, I think, as, as Night Before Christmas. But I do like the visual element of it. I think, you know, you have a you have a nearly 10-year gap of making this kind of movie. So I think a lot of stuff had been updated with even doing slow motion claymation movies. But and you got Danny Elfman back in there doing the music as he, you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, all these fun songs he did, and now this. Uh, clearly it's like they were having fun with again the kind of this is our gothic kind of Victorian era city what's it like when they go to the underworld if you what's it like in not Halloween town but you know what what's it like in the ghost town a lot of fun stuff in that movie I think for sure well I think it also kind of inspired I mean obviously you're always going to compare to your your former but you've got Nightmare obviously the style of, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, but also like what they have inspired to a lot of these stuff later on. I mean, obviously there wasn't borrowed from that, but you think of um, Encanto or um, there's, I think there's, there's a couple of these different ones where that kind of style of like, you know, the different versions of the underworld and things like that. And also love, it's like, if we we're just talking about <laughs> Sleepy Hollow, it's like animated uh, Ichabod Crane. He just is a little meek kind of character, which is kind of, I do really love that. And um, yeah, I'd like to go back and do it uh, to, to check that out. I think it would have been interesting if they made it. Uh, it is a, a little bit more darker than say, even though Nightmare Before Christmas is, you know, oh, you know, it's a little bit the macabre and stuff, but this one's a little darker because it deals with a lot of death. 
and murder. So it is kind of, you know, remember in the Yeah, the class, twists are a little more like when you find out twisting. like who who made the corpse bride really, like who put her in her grave. I mean, which is kind of obvious early in the film, but when it's like, oh, that's more which again, we've seen that kind of be a big trend with not only his work, but other things where the the monster, the ghost, the ghoul is not the terror. It's humans and what they do is usually more of the the reality. But his next film is a film that was a big leap, I think, for fans. If you're fans of the original musical, and of course, yes, Johnny Depp and Hello Bottom Carter are back to star in this. But Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Um, even though, yes, he's done all these movies with music in it, this is really his first crack at a musical movie, if you will. Uh, Stephen Sondheim's brilliant score. It's one of my favorite musicals of his. Very dark story. This is a, a very dark story of this man who was wrongly imprisoned and finally escapes and comes back and takes over a new name. And he's trying to get revenge on this judge. And it just gets to some dark, dark places. This movie to me is really well done, even though maybe not all the singing is really well done. But I, I kind of give a pass on that for the Victorian setting is so beautiful to watch. The costumes, the makeup. And as we talked about earlier with Sleepy Hollow, this is on par with that, if not more, in terms of the blood department. And again, I think some of it sometimes is played for that entertainment laugh value. Some of it definitely is for for the intensity but there's moments where like Sweeney Todd is like stabbing someone and you have blood splatting onto the screen as if it's on your face. That was kind of stuff where I was like, that was playful, but it is a very good dramatic telling of that story. I think it's got a great cast and it's, it's a well done movie. And it, it was one of the movies where I think giant Depp was getting quite a bit of nomination stuff going on for that film. Uh, and, uh, it won Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy for Golden Globes that year. So it did, it did very well. Um, now, I know you, probably not someone that's as big in musicals, had you heard of Sweeney Todd at all before that movie came out? No. Um, <laughs> the only time I heard of it that close was Sweeney Toad. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I never had seen it. I remember um, when it came out, my mom had said to me, um, oh, like, she's like oh this is like i remember seeing this in uh, theater and when i was younger uh, in the theater and so yeah i was really pumped to to check this out and um also you know this came out when i was in college so for me i i was like i, I don't really like horror but i was like i love musicals so i i this and the fan of the opera adaptation these are like one of my live action um or sorry yeah live action musical adaptations but this one I I adored. I think I listened to the soundtrack so many times. And for obviously, you know, some of the singing is not because these are not, you know, you know, trained singers. Broadway singers, yeah. Broadway singers. I thought it was very well done. Just just the um it's such a great it's a very sad and tragic story. I'm a Shakespearean in nature. But yeah, I never knew about it and I just fell in love with the music. I remember bought the DVD. I'm like, oh you guys gotta watch it. I remember I, I made everyone watch it because like, oh, this is great, especially people who are fan of Johnny Depp. And Tim Burton is like you, it was just, it was so well done. I think him and Sondheim was, it was a match made in heaven for this. We got to think too, like looking at now some of the actors that have, you know, I mean, obviously Alan Rickman, the late great Alan Rickman is, is the judge, Timothy Spall, you know, we have these Harry Potter elements, of course, Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as Pirelli is hilarious and so great in that role because it is supposed to be a goofy over the top but then he is very vile but to think of jamie campbell bauer who was anthony in that movie one of his early movie roles yes and look at him now taking over the world as vecna uh <laughs> just you know brilliant performance uh that's what i always i always think about it's like oh, remember when he was anthony and sweeney todd well, look at him now he's uh killing it as vecna so yeah a great film great adaptation and um very well done his next film, I think, 
I think box office wise, it's probably his biggest film ever. Um, it definitely made over a billion dollars worldwide. And this was a movie I think I think people just wanted the escape. They liked the fantasy, they liked the escape, they kept going back. Uh and one of you know, it's I it's really one that when thinking of the live action remakes, kind of forget about this because it's not a live action remake of like the Disney animated film. It's more of Tim Byrne just taking a crack at this story. Alice in Wonderland. It's all yeah, it's it's kind of in the style what Spielberg did with Peter Pan and Hook. That's what he kind of Yes, because it's more of it's not Alice when she's like 10 it's going a, it's to a, Wonderland. Yeah, exactly. It's her coming back to a very messed up Wonderland. They even call it Underland now, like the W is gone. And her having to kind of remember what happened and pick up the mantle to take down the Red Queen and protect from the Jabberwocky. But this is a very fun movie. I think it is very creative. It's very... There is pretty elements to it, but it's very dark. Like the whole setting of the tea party is not some fun. It's not like the old Disney movie where it's like very hey, green hey, and birthday to There's this broken windmill and it's all dark and demented. Um, I love how Johnny Depp looks as the Mad Hatter. It's very fun. I get to play the Mad Hatter at Beetle House and to try to do all that makeup and the orange hair, um, which the orange hair, it's a fun story to think of. Hatter is really in that time or like what that era would have been that kind of again Victorian a little bit turn of the century because of the, the chemicals they'd have to use to make some of the hats copper would actually copper poisoning is an actual thing that would turn their hair orange and in a way make them go quite mad uh, held on bottom Carter as the Red Queen and they do a fun thing where her head is very huge and I love that all her court is like they put on fake body parts to try to blend in like they're they're also like huge and stuff but i mean yeah you got alan rickman back as the caterpillar we have uh matt lucas who has been killing it on uh the british bake-off show uh as uh tweedledee tweedledum crispin glover in here and hathaway as timothy timothy spall as well coming back yeah. from us yeah michael sheen michael sheen oh, who's i mean a, it's a great cast and, and anne hathaway and then yeah. um, of course uh Mia Wasikowska, as I said. Yeah, that was like her first big kind of movie. That was her breakout for sure. Yeah. Done a lot since. And I mean, it it went on to do a sequel, uh, which I think he produced it, but he did not direct Alice Through the Looking Glass. Um, And when I I heard he didn't direct, I didn't watch it. No kidding. I actually never got to see this, this full film. It just slipped past my radar i know i saw the sequel it was it was fine i mean he did uh we had sasha baron cohen uh in that as well as as time um which was kind of a fun element um it played more into the fact that the red queen and the white king really had to as sisters had to really kind of come together to solve some of the problems you know the greater evil was time uh and johnny depp still back in there as the mad hatter but uh first movie did very well and Tim Burton wasn't done with Johnny yet. Nope. He had yet another movie, Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, this story with Michelle Pfeiffer and this family, uh, Barnaby Collins, this vampire. Um, I've only seen this film once. I I enjoyed it. I, I don't remember much about it. All I remember is that it's this, it was a TV show back in like, I think the 70s or 80s uh, of this vampire. And then now we have this family, uh, Kind of a, a re retaking a remake of, you know, of this of this uh, story by Tim Burton, um, and yeah, this this man who's a vampire and how he has to help out his family. And I think there was some humor with again. It's like it's got some gothic moments in it. Uh, the way he looks, the hair, and everything. With how do you how do you deal with a, a family member who is a vampire? But one again, I haven't seen a second time so i don't really have memories of it but i mean that was coming off of like in total he did edward scissorhands ed wood sleepy hollow charlie and shock of victory corpse bride sweeney todd alice in land dark shadows eight movies so far we're getting a lot we're getting a lot of uh uh depp and burton like it's like a depp lot is depp has been the the busiest or the, the most actual i should say and there is now rumors that even though we've had this whole uh, Amber Heard trial going on and, and, you know, he some stuff saying that he's not going to be in certain movies. 
There has been talk for a long time, yes, of a Beetlejuice 2, which does seem to be happening. And a lot of sources have been saying that he has been cast in that movie in yet an undisclosed role. I would love if Beetlejuice had some like long lost brother. Uh, that was that was him. Or it'd be funny if, if Johnny Depp maybe plays like the villain in the movie. Uh, maybe some ghost exterminator or who knows what. I mean, Johnny Depp, he's got such a good range. Uh, that's the current rumors. Nothing's been like actually set. Um, we're still waiting to see if actually it does happen. Uh, I think the last big news was that Brad Pitt's company had uh, Plan B or whatever they're called had um, acquired the rights to that script, but nothing sent stone. But he had a few movies after Dark Shadows. Yeah, uh, Frank and Winnie. Yeah, actually, he said, produced quite a bit. Um, like he was. Well, he's produced a ton, man. Yeah, he's, between that. Um, did you? Um, well, Frank and Winnie was then after this one, correct? Or after Alice? If you look yeah, at Frank and Winnie was uh, 2012. Again, one I saw once. Uh, cute movie, you know, about a, a dog that dies and then kind of like in a Frankenstein story, the kid bringing the dog back to life and the town, of course, freaking out that it's this dead dog. And I only saw it the one time, but I, again, it had that kind of claymation style to it like the original short did. Um, a movie I never saw was Big Eyes. I've always wanted to see that movie with um, Christoph Waltz. Um I've not seen that film, and I've not seen Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I did see that, and I actually how, how was that film? I, yeah, I read the, the book. book. Right? Yeah, I read the book, and I actually really liked this adaptation. There was only like, there's again, that's a tough thing when you a- adapt a book. You can't always get what you want, but I thought they did a really great job. And this is again another collaboration with him and Ava Green, which I absolutely adore her. She just has that, she has that presence. And then she was in Dark Shadows, and of course Bond, but um. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was definitely the material is perfect for a Tim Burton collaboration. Um, I would check it out for sure. I would recommend it. Um, the book is a little bit more. This is a little bit more fun. The movie, but the book is a little bit more, a little darker. And I, but I liked it. So, but yeah, I, I only seen it um, once. But I overall did enjoy it. Well, the last movie really to talk about here is was his, if you will, second take at a live action Disney remake or something of that nature. Uh, Dumbo that came out in 2019 and I saw this the one time and I was very torn about this movie because uh, the thing that struck me was that they were going to take the Dumbo story but really take away the animal element and I don't mean about the elephant but just overall we were not going to have the mouse character the rat character that like it like guides him we're Timothy not going to have yeah. Timothy Mouse uh, obviously the crows that you know the original Dumbo came out at a time that is there's elements of that movie that are seen as racist now and uh, that was not gonna be played into but just overall that there was animals involved in that film was gonna be taken away and have more of this this elephant that is that like on a small kind of circus farm and then it's like taken to the big top where like we have Danny DeVito you know is running this thing or Michael Keaton is like the big kind of evil boss running this huge circus and he wants the best acts and it gets very, you know, he's, he's very greedy taking them away from his mom and all that. And we have Colin Farrell in there as like this dad uh, who's trying to like, you know, kind of be the hero character. And it was just elements that just didn't work for me. I think I would have preferred Tim Burton to almost do like a stop motion version of Dumbo or to have done uh, a little more of the animal element um, because well, it's like almost like doing Lady and the Tramp, like as they did a live yeah. adaptation of that, but with no Lady, no Tramp. It's like it's just the just the adults around there, like the guy at the Italian restaurant. It's yeah. Just so and so yeah. What was sad to me was even though we had Danny DeVito back and Michael Keaton back, DeVito was great. I mean, he 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 played a great you know kind of the circus ringleader character, and I did enjoy him. I really did not enjoy Michael Keaton's performance. I felt really, it felt hammed into me. It felt like it just was phoned in, like it was a paycheck. And it was sad because I've, I've never really seen Michael Keaton do a role that I just didn't really like. Yeah. I and agree. this one was on, I, I just, I was not on board with, uh, and this is like, he's still coming out with like the Spider-Man, you know, homecoming was just like two years before that. And then like other things he was doing and I'm enjoying all that. Was not a fan of Dumbo. Felt like he just not, kind of, well, uh, I have all this other stuff. I gotta, I gotta focus on those characters. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just walk in on set and do whatever. So, yeah, yeah it's it wasn't, wasn't my fave. But as I mentioned, we do have this Wednesday show coming up, and 
I think it's going to be fun to see. We're definitely going to check it out and hopefully review it. Uh, I think him taking out Adam's family is perfect for him. Uh, and the thing is, it's not even an Adam's family proper. It's not like he's doing Adam's family like in their house. And it's, it's more focused on this one character and all elements of her family in there. But uh, very excited to see this Wednesday series come out and all it's going to be. But you can't deny that whether you've seen one of his films, all of his films, in the pop culture and cult following, especially for Halloween and, and that time, Tim Burton is very beloved. His, his creations, his films, a lot of people really love. You know, I've seen people with tattoos of his characters, full costumes. They decorate their houses. This means a lot to people. I mean, just the other night we had... I actually got to be witness to a couple proposing at Beetle House. Oh, they chose wow. there to propose because they love Halloween so much. And that's where they chose to do it. So it, it really, I think sometimes I kind of take, it's like I sometimes forget the power of these characters and the world he's created and why people love them so much. So, you know, it's something that I'll be intrigued to see what he does moving forward because I do feel like, apart from maybe some sequels we really want to see, there's probably still some more original characters in there and where he will take his creative mind to next. I can't wait to see, honestly. Well, I mean, with Wednesday and, you know, he did work on television in the 80s. I actually was doing my research here. Who knows? Maybe uh, Netflix decides they want to keep Burton on, continue to make projects for the streaming screen. Who knows? But um, I'm so glad that we can continue to enjoy his work and then you get to live out your Burton fantasies almost every night there in Beetle House. So if uh, if you're actually listening to this and you're in LA, check out the Beetle House in LA and see my man Chris, and you can actually follow him and uh, see everything that he's up to. Or if you're in New York, apparently there's a Beetle House in New York, so is, yeah. where you can live out Tim Burton in real life. But I'm so glad we got to do this. A great way to kind of close out the Halloween season unofficially, and uh, I can't wait to see what Burton comes up with next. Wait till they get a load of him. <laughs> it's showtime. Hey, guys, come on. We're going to close out this podcast right now because I got things to do, right? <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.